Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can't win. You can't make it. And then you can't get out of the game. People keep saying things are gonna change, but they look just like they're staying the same. Howdy Tiger fans, this is the Mazad cast and Mizzou cannot win. I'm your host Brendan Anthony. With me as always is Josh Henson's personal job recruiter and resume builder, Colin Anthony. Hey, thanks for having me. And Brian Goers, head of SEC replay officials. Great to be here. It's not that great to be here. It's uh, well one of the low points in Tiger football history, history recent history for sure. Yeah. So um, Pinkle era? <laughs> definitely the Pinkle era. Colin, do you recall a time that Missouri has looked this bad under Gary Pinkle's leadership? Huh. For a second there, I was like, have I ever seen Missouri look this bad? I'm like, of course I have. But no, under Gary Pinkle, no, I, don't, I can't recall. Yeah. I, I mean, last year we talked about the offense was lousy, but they somehow sort of rebounded and were able to capitalize on the few things that did go well. Nothing is going well this year in Vanderbilt. I think this was the icing on the cake, right? I mean, we we got beat by Kentucky. We got beat by a good Georgia and a good Florida team in close games. But then we went to Vanderbilt, and we went, what, 13 consecutive quarters, 40 straight plays without mm-hmm. scoring a single touchdown. One of the worst offenses in college football across the nation. Yeah, I think I think that's the big thing, right, is that – it's not just losing to Vanderbilt because okay, you, you know they're homecoming. They're always playing up. They find a team that they think they can beat, but it's the right. Well, yeah, but it's the the not scoring a touchdown against Vanderbilt that that clearly indicates we're in the bottom basement of college football. Well, I think the the, the disappointing part for me is that they seem to be getting worse instead of better. I mean, you take your lumps in a couple early games and you got them some things to work out. Yeah. And, well, we get progressively worse each week. I mean, at first we score a little bit, then we can't score at all, and we go to Vanderbilt, which should be a game where you feel like you should have an opportunity to gain a little confidence, maybe do some things you haven't been able to against better opponents, and uh, geez, it's just complete ineptitude. And truthfully, I felt like the offensive line played better this week. I did too. It, it really didn't help. Uh, I was disappointed that there wasn't a lot of change on the offensive line, but the offensive line on the whole played better. I think that may be a result of Vanderbilt being not very good, but well, it also, Colin, it was also effective. We abandoned the run pretty early in that game. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And the offensive line hasn't been as bad in, in pass protection as it has been in creating holes for the run. And so whenever we were just dropping back into pass protection, it, it held enough, and then yeah. our other problems came to light. Our shitty receiver can't catch. Drew a lot. Well, he was losing confidence and accuracy. Yeah, that's the, 
few things I noticed in person being at the game. I was in the goal line, so it was like watching coaches tape. And I can tell you the two things that I saw was a, a quarterback who initially looked extremely accurate and Drew Locke was a fucking scatter gun. And our receivers are not open. <laughs> I mean, they are not. I mean, I'm, you know, I can see all three or four receivers running down the field and nobody's open. And I think the disappointing part is that the routes they continue to run are always to the outside the hash marks. There's no drag routes across the middle. There's no slant. I mean, Drew Locke is forced to make big-time throws to the outside, outside the numbers. And it's, it's high-difficulty throws with a bad offensive line. It's, it speaks to Josh Henson just kind of being just unaware. I don't know how – I mean, I am not a football genius, but I can look at their game plan and go, that's complete garbage. Well, Colin, hot, you know, hot garbage. It is. Hot, hot garbage. You know, what irritates me after these losses – is that Pinkle refuses to talk about it, and he, he keeps talking about how, oh, you know, we do what we do, we're we a process team, and, it. yeah, we just got to execute better. Yeah, the, the thing that aggravates me is he sort of treats us as if we're as if we're morons, you know what I mean? Like, oh, if you, you can't just put new players in or make, ra- you know, radical changes, it'll have dramatic effects on other positions. There's a domino effect. I'm tired of these fucking football coaches acting like it's rocket science. It's fucking football. And yes, I know there are things that a person who spends their entire life devoted to coaching football realizes that regular fans don't. But let's not pretend like it's something it's not. It's fucking football. We're all seeing the results on the field. And let us it's about time we actually made some changes. So what? If there's repercussions we can't expect, I'm ready for those. We're terrible. We, we can't get worse. Let's try something new, for fuck's sake, and quit acting like you're a goddamn rocket scientist and you're doing something that the, the civilian crowd can't see, can't interpret because they're not smart enough. It's a goddamn football game. Yeah, I, so one of the things in prepping for the show, I went and looked up some uh, Missouri offensive numbers because I was just curious to see how we were doing in terms of ranks for the rest of the country. So Mizzou oh, ranks... good numbers. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mizzou, Don't worry, there's a lot of them. Mizzou ranks in the the bottom twenty, okay, in in college football in in these categories: passing, rushing, first downs, third down efficiency, scoring, and passing efficiency. So you said top twenty? <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of. More like the opposite of that, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I think uh, I heard that we're. 127th out of 128 college football teams as far as overall offense after this week. I mean, yeah, scoring. Yeah. Again, my biggest concern watching the game was they've turned what looked like a promising quarterback into Matty Mock. Yeah. I mean, he not only does he was he throwing very inaccurately, but he wasn't making it past his first read ever. No. You know, I saw on several different occasions in the game that I don't know if you guys could see on TV where a secondary receiver was open. You know, and he didn't. He never got there. You know, he was looking at his first read, and whether they were open or not, that's where he was going. He was chucking the receivers who were covered. So, well, C- Colin, the last play of the game um, to try to salvage the tie, Jason Reese was open um, for about a five-yard pass, wide open, and it was we we went down the sidelines for a low percentage shot that uh, obviously didn't go anywhere. Yeah, that was an odd throw because it, it looks like he was throwing it to his outside shoulder and the receiver turned inside, and that, that was just strange. But I think, Colin, you mentioned this earlier, that our receivers aren't open and they're not on the same page. So a lot of uh, 
I guess I would question, is it Locke's fault? You know, when he, he had some bad throws where all of a sudden it's just like there's nobody even in the area or they're falling, you know, five ah. yards five yards short. And I guess my question is, is is that because the receivers are running really crappy routes and aren't open? Or is it that, you know, because he's, he's throwing a lot of these passes before the receivers even break, you know, into yeah. into their routes. And so I, I – I, I mean, I don't want to put it all on him. He's a freshman, too, right? I mean, we expect some growing pains as we go, but I don't want to put it all on him because I feel like a lot of this falls back on our, our really, really bad receiving core. They don't make big plays, that's for sure. I mean, Well, like I said, it's really concerning. He looks like Manny Mock. He's, he looks like in the game he looks sped up. You know what I mean? He, he didn't look calm. He looked sped up. He did, everything was happening too fast, and that goes to what you are talking about, Brian, where – He's throwing the ball before the receivers coming out of their, his break. You know, I mean, he's he's obviously in a in a higher speed than the receivers are, and I think that comes from getting his shit back uh, for the past couple of weeks with their terrible offensive line play. And he, he, like I said, he's he's turned into a fainting goat. And um, boy, if they if Josh Henson ruins this kid and and Rickard in this offensive line, I'll be just inconsolable. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's. He's going to be a good quarterback, and I think some of it is he's anticipating that, okay, yeah, I need to get rid of it, but if, as long as he breaks here, this will be a, you know, a pass, a, you know, a good pass. And, and, but even when, again, the frustrating thing I, it has to be for him, right, even when he throws a dime on that deep slant route, perfect, you couldn't put it in any better place, and our receivers don't come up with the ball. No, uh, there's a lot of drops that we – yeah. A lot of receivers don't get open. When they do get open, uh, they drop the ball. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a whole team issue. I mean, I, I'm getting a little bit concerned. Like I see on Twitter, and the quarterbacks are always going to take this. People are already starting to turn on Drew Locke with the way we turned on Matty Mock. You know, I watched almost three full seasons of Matty Mock make terrible decisions. But you know, what I see it. You know, Drew Locke has obviously got issues, but I think most of his issues are system issues. I mean, he just. I agree. He's suffering behind a bad offensive line with bad receivers and a bad guy, and a bad play calling as much as anything. Bad play calling. I think if there's I mean, if there's any one area you can look at him and say he's making a bad decision on is when he keeps trying to like throw the ball away as he's falling down, being yes. tackled or whatever. He needs to stop that. But uh, but other than that, you're right. He's not making terrible decisions, bad reads or anything like that. Yeah, and and you know I did see on Twitter during the game there were a lot of people going, "Hey, all you people who wanted to see." Matty Mock come out and the savior Drew Locke come in. Here you go. This is what you get. And, you know, I mean, I'll give them this. I mean, I think it's fair criticism to say that it was not all on the quarterback. It wasn't all on the drug-dealing quarterback. But it at the same time, everything you guys saying is true. You know, Drew Locke doesn't. He has not thrown, other than the pick six against Florida, Right. he has not made well, you know, disastrous mistakes. The only thing he hasn't done is – is really developed his own running game, except he sort of did today or yesterday. Yeah. You know, fuck those people because here's what happens with Matty Mock still in the lineup. Yeah. We have we have fifty six more rushing yards and three interceptions. You yes, know what I mean? True. So true. It's like you know, yeah, Matty Mock's going to run around a little bit. He's going to scramble for some first downs, but you're also going to turn the ball over three more times a game. So it, it, pick your poison. You either have a have a, a less mobile pocket passer who take care of the ball or you have a a mobile cokehead throwing interceptions left right and center so i mean yeah do you have another option for me colin what's that do you have another option for me i don't like what you just presented (laughs) i don't 
don't. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Because um, well, here here's the sad part for me is that so all of those numbers that you just heard, right? All those awful, awful offensive numbers. What you see that burns your eyes out when the Tigers are on offense. On the opposite side of that is maybe one of the best defenses Missouri's ever had. Mm-hmm. And I say that, and people are going to be like, well, what about you know Shane Ray or all these other you know really great players? And, and don't get me wrong, we've had some pretty good defenses the last few years. But Mizzou right now is a top 10 defense, despite our defense being on the field 67% of, the, of every game. Like, that's, that's crazy. And I went back in and I looked up because I was curious to how many other of, like, you know, the other nine, if anybody was close to us. And the, and the other nine, there's only one other team whose defense had to be on the field more than half the time, right? And that was Duke, and they were averaged, their, their offense averaged 29 minutes of, of possession a game. Our aff- offense is averaging 26. Like, it's just, our, how, good, you know, our, how good would our defense be if our offense just held on to the ball a little bit, gave them a break or two, you know? Of all the defensive players, a serious hand jibber. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a serious one. Colin, uh, you know you've had almost twenty four hours to to decompress after being at the football game. Is talking about it now re engaging your rage about this football team? No, the, the, this is the sad thing. I I know Mizzou fans are, are feeling this. Is that I've gotten to a point of kind of apathy. You know what I mean? The season that we're not going to win the SEC East. At this point, it's hard to say we're going to make a bowl game. You know, I enjoy football, and I love the Tigers, and I'm going to continue to watch this football team. But as far as giving a shit, you know I mean? What's there to give a shit about? Oh, Colin, I doubt there's more than six people listening to this program due to the give a shit factor. I mean, mean, that's down from 18 people. We were were really doing something special before this. Yeah, the apathy factor is high. I think, uh, you know, my rage is that it's, you know, at, at Zenith, early in the season when I still have hope. Right. You know, I have no hope at this point. Well, getting back to what Brian said, I think that has added a level of frustration to the mix that maybe wouldn't be there otherwise, is that it's one thing to have an abysmal offense that just cannot do anything right, but then to pair that with a defense that could win you the whole conference. Yeah. It's yeah. just so frustrating. So, and, and it's you can feel the frustration and just sympathize with the players on that defense who have done so well and are so fun to watch. And, and I'm not joking when I said the last three weeks, I have far more confidence that we're going to get an, a, a score when we're on defense than when we're on offense. And that's, yeah. that's a topsy-turvy world to live in when you're rooting yeah. for a team. Yeah. Vernon, in the last 12 quarters of foot Missouri football, I have not once had an erection. That's, yeah. I think that says it all. Yeah, well, that may be the only positive to come out of this mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is sad that... Uh, I have an erection, I know. Thank you, Brian. You're, you're welcome. Uh, there's pills for that now, buddy. Um, so there... I think Brennan and I were talking yesterday right after the game, you know, trying to console each other. It w- didn't work. But one of the things that I think the point that he was just trying to make, too, is that it would be totally fine to watch a blowout and just be like, you know what, it, it's just a rebuilding year. But, yeah, you know, Georgia, right? Georgia's not a bad football team. Granted, they and didn't we've have, been in these games. Yeah, they didn't have their, their top odds. running back. But, but you know, 
We only allowed nine points against Georgia. And you, if you would tell me any other year you're going to have a defense that you know will hold your SEC opponents to an average of something like, if because if, if you don't count the pick six from the Florida game, that's what fourteen points, right? Then nine points and ten points, like. You you got to think well, great. We won all three of those games, right? Well, Colin made that point last week when he said just a mediocre offense has a six and zero now seven yeah. and zero. You know, yeah. um, mediocre. That's and that's yeah. not a lot to ask. I I don't know. I I, I mean, the offense we're they're failing in every part of the game. You know, there's a lot of complaints amongst the fan base on comment. You know, on newspaper comments and Twitter on message boards. But I think it's mostly justifiable, and the coaches can't get out there and execute for the players. But at some point, you have to say, these players have to have been coached, and the strategy's bad, the execution is bad, everything is bad, and it's time to start calling for some heads. And I'm not saying fire people midseason, but maybe. But, but I'm not, you know, at the end of this season, there's got to be a serious reevaluation and I think Gary Pinkle has to look seriously at uh, making some moves. I mean, yeah. I, 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 haven't, I haven't heard anybody in the mainstream media say that yet, but I'm ready to do it because fuck Josh Henson. I, I think that they need something like that to, to wake him up and realize that they just cost a man his job. Mm-hmm. Because this stoic, we're not changing anything. We do, it our, we do what we do talk from Pinkle, I think, um, almost enables these kids to feel like, not, there's no responsibility to be taken for poor football. And it's not that the, I'm asking those kids to take that responsibility, but the coaches certainly have to. And I don't see how Josh Henson keeps his job after this season. You know, I mean, I, and if he does, you know, it's an indictment of, of the program and this, this a moronic direction we're going. I mean, we have been historically bad. If we just had a, you know, in the Yost era, we had some bad offensive playing, but we never had this. You know, this is historically bad. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we talked about that um, earlier today, where we're not Alabama, we're not LSU, we're not even a USC, where we're a program that expects to have occasionally have to do a rebuilding year or two. to sure. to, to, like, take one on the chin and then hope the next year or two will get better. But it's like you said, that I don't think Henson's job would be in jeopardy if we just – missed a few opportunities and didn't look as strong as we looked the last two years, that would be fine. But like you said, historically bad, like cartoonishly bad. That's, yeah, I mean, that, we've, no, we, had, we, had, we literally had Kirk Farmer and Darius Outlaw running an offense of, you know, the years back that was just comical to watch. And this offense is worse. Right, that's scary to say. And, you know, we had a quarterback who was only playing because of how much money his family was donating to the program. Mm-hmm. And that quarterback is playing better than our four-star, you know, yeah. super quarterback. Right, two quarterbacks. Yeah, it, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like, not only does Josh, should Josh Hansen lose his job after a, after a season like this, but I think it scars his career for life. I mean, he, he looks for another offensive coordinator position, and they're like, "Do you want to hire the guy that Missouri just fired for having the worst offense in fucking the nation?" Yeah. And it's not like it's his first year where you're like, oh, we'll give him a pass. He's installing his offense. He's he's getting his players up to speed or anything like that. It, yeah, he's he's had his chance to to make this shine. It it is bad. I mean, what the post the post post dispatch tweeted something out about how 
you know, Missouri hasn't had this this three no touchdown game since like nineteen thirty seven or some something crazy like that. Like that's just the, yeah, those are dates we shouldn't be wow. talking about. Yeah. Another thing you shouldn't be that's talking Kansas about Kansas football dates. Right. Yeah, and the th- we shouldn't be ever in a position where we miss David Yost. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Or or we should never be in a position where we're asking, wait, has Kansas ever done this? Yeah. Like that's how you know something's going to have to change. Something's a miss. And I don't want, what I really don't want to have happen, and I feel like it just caught like snippets of it from, from some of the quotes from the players and coaches and stuff, is when everybody starts to blame the media for like the play on the field, right? Like at some point it turns, it, you know, inevitably when you've got these really awful, terrible... It's them against us. Yeah, yeah, terrible games where they all try to rally and say... Well, you know, if if you were just supportive, you know, or fans like what was the the tweet last year or the quote last year, right? Fans are gonna love you when you're doing well and hate you when you're doing bad or something like that. And it's like, well, Duh. yeah, like that's exactly what fans are gonna do. So here's this crazy notion: do well. Yeah, that's definitely already started. I mean, you, you, we've had we've already had incidents of Michael Shearer going after Rock M Nation, who is, I think, without question, almost that's, wholly positive regarding. Yeah. The football team. Well, this homers, week, yeah, you had yeah. Connor McGovern challenging somebody yeah, to. Yeah, Connor uh, McGovern's ready to fight fans at, at a fucking movie uh, theater. Movie theater, you know, and then and then goes on to talk about the locker room to the press, talking about I don't want you know I was just tired of people talking about stuff they don't know about. Oh, I'm sorry, Connor. Were we wrong when we all get on Twitter and tell you that you're playing poorly? Is that incorrect? And that's you know another I mean? yeah. And that's another thing. It's like, stop acting like this is rocket science. It's fucking football. You can watch TV, yeah. and you're going to get 84% of what you get as a fucking yeah. coach. I'm sorry. I'm and, sorry. And the thing is, is like you want to get mad at the fans, but when you've got former players and former coaches who are commenting on the game going like, oh, yeah, well, this offensive line is terrible. You know, I mean, like, that's just confirmation for what every other fan is watching with their own eyes, right? It's not like it's not like all of a sudden that, you know, fans, we didn't, well, you didn't, you didn't see the good plays. It's like, I, I don't know that that counts. Like, wh- Yeah. Uh, they, they're like, well, we graded out okay in, uh, <laughs> when we watched the tape on Monday. Well, fuck you. You got beat by Vanderbilt. I don't care what your yeah, grade was right? by your position coach, you fucking assholes. Well, and, that's, and that, then that goes down the road of, hey, we're just kids. Leave us alone. Right, because they're you know, babies. We're 18 to 20-year-olds. We're precious children who, like, fuck you. When I was 20 years old, I had a mortgage to pay. And I got fired from my job if I didn't do a good job. And by the way, I had that job while I was in college. So go fuck yourself if I'm a kid talk. Connor McGovern, if, if you want to be a, a man, then be a fucking man. But I will promise you what you are not as a kid. You know what I mean? They pretend that their age doesn't matter, but because they're in college, they're still children. Yeah. You know? They, and they're going to get on and be petulant on Twitter with people because... Because they're children and they can get away with it. Well, you know who's like, you know who's not been petulant on Twitter is Corey Fatoni. No, indeed. No. Well, there's been no he's reason not. for him to be. He, he's been a he's he been was, the shining yeah, light. I was going to say, right? He he was Our the best player, the star. You, you yeah. see, all I, I went on his Twitter account. I was just kind of looking, and he was tweeting up a storm. You know, after they're not re, sorry, he's retweeting a storm of all these. You know. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, accolades. Fatoni, uh, you know, best offensive player, or you know, well, to be top fair, I think back he or, got a lot of attention before the game when he did a one on one interview with the Mazzotti. Yeah, that was pretty special. I yeah. mean, that was a rare, rare, yeah, exclusive. look into. Not many college athletes give you know those kinds of exclusive interviews. Yeah. Speaking of exclusive interviews, I think we're running up against a break, and when we come back, we actually do have Josh Henson with us. Oh, coming on, which I got to salute him after a bad performance like that to come on the air with us that's a pretty bold move brave so you ready for that colin oh yeah all right let's do this this is the mazadcast Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Now back to the Khloe Kardashian of podcasts, the Mazadcast. Okay, we're back, and we have a special treat for you. Uh, on the line with us now is Missouri's offensive coordinator, Josh Henson. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Thank you. Josh, it's been a rough season. Uh, uh, specifically, the offense has not looked great. Tell us, what, did, what were your thoughts about how your offense played against Vanderbilt this weekend? Yep, I know, I know. But what about the Vanderbilt game? How did you think you did? I like football. I know you do, Josh, but but we're not really liking the football that you guys have been producing. Let me ask you a more specific question, I guess. Tell me, what do you tell our running backs about how to prepare for a game, what they should do on a particular snap? What is your focus for the running backs? The football is brown! (laughs) You know that that is true. I can't deny what you're telling me, but uh, how about uh, how about the offensive line? That's been a real focus of our problems this year. Uh, the offensive line has not been getting a, a push. They haven't been creating holes. What do you tell our offensive linemen? What is your preparedness level for those guys? Uh, our offensive line can eat lots of spaghetti. Yeah, that's true. They eat spaghetti so much that they like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of spaghetti to eat. Uh, I don't know if it really gives us much in depth about uh, how they can improve, though. And you know, another area we're not look, looking very good: wide receivers. They they don't seem to be making big catches or getting open. What's your focus on the future? How to get those guys in space and get Drew Locke some looks that he hasn't had in the weeks past? You talk funny. <laughs> Do your I? words are funny. Yeah. It's not a Are word. those the fast guys? Yeah, the fast guys. The fast guys who catch the ball. What? I like those guys. Yeah. Their uh, music has beatbox and I dance. <laughs> well, uh, so do, do you do you do you do a lot of coaching? What what do you do? What do you what do you do? What do you do at practice? Uncle Gary, he lets me hold the board with. The clipboard? What? Is that what you're talking about? The clipboard? Is that 
the board? Yeah. Yeah, and it's not an Etch-A-Sketch, is it? No. I have a marker. Oh, okay. And I draw circles and X's. Yeah, that sounds very football-y. It's fun. Hey, I like Uncle Gary. <laughs> Uncle Gary, is that what you call him? Uncle Gary wears a visor. Yes, he does. You know, I, before I let you go, because I, I, I'm, I've got to tell you, uh, Josh, that this isn't getting as far as in-depth as I would have hoped it might have. I heard that, or I read in the paper, actually, that that, that there's a possibility that uh, Barry Odom had, had gotten you a, a bunny rabbit? Uh-huh. I'm going to love him and stroke him and hug him and call him my own. Yeah. What are you naming him? Maddie. <laughs> Maddie, I thought maybe Lenny. Um, yeah, that's a good name, that's, especially if he's white, because it reminds you yeah. of cocaine. Um, Maddie <laughs> gave me powder one time. Yeah. It made me happy. Yeah. What What did you do with it? My, I, I couldn't feel my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, the, if Coach Pinkle wants you to talk about that. You might want to just... Keep that Uncle story. Gary? Yeah, he, I don't know if he wants you to tell that story about the teeth and the tingly powder. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to let you go. I know it's, it's, uh, your handler said it was past your bedtime anyway, so we're going to let you go. Is, are there any thoughts you have for Tiger fans out there who are a little disappointed in this season? I wanted to play Truman, but Uncle Gary said he wasn't a player. No, that's right. He's a mascot. It's, that's true. Uh, he's soft. Yeah, he is soft, like your bunny rabbit. Well, thanks for joining us, Josh. It's a, it's been a real fun interview. You're welcome. All right, you got, you need help with the phone hanging up, or you got it? No, no, AJ's here to help me. Okay, he's pretty good, pretty good at stuff. All right, thanks, Josh. Bye. Well, guys, what'd you think about that? An exclusive interview with Josh Henson, our offensive coordinator. That's- I'm surprised again. I'm just surprised that he's going on any shows after. Brandon, I, I got to give it up for you again. I mean, first Corey Fatoni and now uh, Josh Hinton. How do you how do you pull these guests? I mean, well, you I'm know, not helping you. No, it is. It's you know you got to know people. I'm not going to lie. It helps to you know one hand washes the other. But then you know you just you 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 got to be an inviting interviewer. You know you got to you got to gain trust. And I feel like I've done that. And uh, you know results follow, and you get good. Brandon, at- based on our game plans, though, he's a lot sharper than I expected. Yeah, I mean, he did seem uh, like a quick wit. Uh, definitely not what I expected. I expected to maybe have to slow down my questions, maybe repeat them a little bit more, but he seemed right on top of things. Yeah. Well, guys, after that exciting interview, I think there's only one one thing to follow it up, and of course, that's Kansas news. Oh, thank God. Well, I was, heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story. Kansas lab that tests for nuclear contamination goes unstaffed. A Kansas, <laughs> a Kansas laboratory responsible for testing for contamination in the event of an accident at the state's only nuclear power plant hasn't been staffed for several weeks, and its final two employees left in September. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment said routine samples are being taken and sent to Iowa State Hygienic Laboratory until new staff can be hired. If there were an emergency, several other bureaus would respond. 
The KDHE station confirmed Thursday that the lab hasn't been testing samples since late September and hasn't been fully staffed since September 22nd. It's probably not horrible, Russell Stuckey, emergency <laughs> management coordinator for Wolf or Coffee County, said, but it is not the way you'd prefer to have it. In response to any nuclear accident, Stuckey said they would over-evacuate the area around Wolf Creek as a precaution. Results of testing done by the radiochemistry unit would probably be used to determine whether people could return to their homes. So it's not only probably are there, not it's bad, probably, right? it's, it's pro- not ideal. That's, that's what you want to hear from your emergency manager or law enforcement or really any government official is, you know what, you're probably not going to die. Well, not what it's telling me is not only are the rivers running with shit, but the thing could go nuclear at any time. Kansas is radioactive, shit-laden hellscape. I uh, honestly didn't realize that uh, that Kansas had that kind of advanced technology. Nuclear power. I just assumed it was all wood heat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was donkey dung in a furnace. Uh, next story. Kansas man accidentally shoots himself in leg during movie. Uh, a man accidentally shot himself in the leg during a Friday night showing of the Maze Runner, the Scorch Trials, in a central Kansas city of Selena. Cody Denault, age 24, was adjusting the handgun in his pants pocket during the film when it went off, according to the Selena Post. Denault was taken to the hospital uh, for a non-fatal wound. No other injuries were reported. Tim Coleman, a father who took his 12-year-old daughter and her friend to the movie, told the Selena Journal he wasn't worried about an active shooter because he'd only heard one shot. I, you know, it's amazing the degree of expertise they have on on gunplay sure. in Kansas. He's like, oh, there's one shot. There's not going to be an active shooter situation. They usually <laughs> because uh, everybody knows that two shots do not come after one shot. <laughs> That's right. According to one couple in the theater, it happened about 45 minutes into the movie. Uh, she thought the popping sound was a bag of candy being opened. Oh. This guy started shouting, Oh my God, I just shot myself. I just got my conceal and carry. <laughs> and then every, everyone jumped up and they heard someone call 911. A new state law allows gun owners to carry concealed weapons without any training or any permit. It went into effect in July. Smart. Um, Smart. I believe in protecting myself, but it is scary knowing they're out here in public places, Myers told KWCH. I feel absolutely terrible for the gentleman who shot himself, but the first thing I thought was, thank God he didn't shoot anybody else. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Um, yeah, no kidding. Well, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't feel bad, actually. Like I feel like if, if you, you didn't do anything, like any training, you just cut your little permit, and you shoot yourself, Like I, I don't feel bad for you. No. I don't. I it, it is interesting. Kansas doesn't feel that training is required to carry a handgun in places where handguns are absolutely 100% not needed ever. No thank you. But, you know, that's Kansas. So here's a more timely story, guys. Um, this is the Halloween's right around the corner. Kansas sheriff issues warning of homes to avoid on Halloween. Uh- <laughs> Emporia, Kansas. Trick-or-treaters don't discriminate when it comes to picking which door to knock on. They're there for one thing, and that's candy. That carefree attitude worries Lyon County Sheriff, and now an Emporia mom who uses her home as a daycare center. It surprised me, especially for the size of Emporia, Michelle Adams said. 
That's because she just discovered that 11 people within one mile of her home are sex offenders. Ah, classic. It just goes to show you they can be anywhere and anyone, she said. Not anywhere and anyone. <laughs> Kansas and Kansas. Um, I, there's 11 sex offenders within one mile. I assume there are 11 homes within one mile of her. Is that, yeah. Uh, just assume that that's the strict average for Kansas, right? right? Every mile, there's at least one. Lyon County Sheriff said parents uh, should realize probably the first year that we, this is really the first year we tried to promote it. He's urging parents to check the Kansas Public Offender Registry because there are 84 sex offenders that can be found in the Emporia area alone, which is 80 toward 84 doors you don't want your children trick-or-treating at. Okay, Although I do, I bet they give the best candy. That's exactly what I was going to say, Brian. Yeah, I don't know that you don't want to go there because, I mean, who's going to have better candy? You want to go to some old lady who's going to have a stick of bubble gum (laughs) and an apple? apple. Yeah. No, thank you, Apple. I'll take a sex offender's full-size, king-size Snickers bar every day of the week. Yeah. Um, Just don't go in the house. Yeah, don't. Don't go inside for a, a cupcake and a touch of wine. Right. Yes. <laughs> Maybe steer clear of the. You of the can't put a Zima. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a Jolly Rancher in it. Um, Adam said it's not like someone's going to come right out and say, "Well, hi, my name is blah blah blah, and I'm a sex offender. Nice to yeah, meet you." <laughs> it's because no one's named blah blah blah. What kind of police do they have in Kansas? Yeah. So something to be aware of if you go and look on the website is that it's just not going to be sex offenders. There's also going to be drug offenders and violent offenders mixed amongst the sex offenders. So where the hell are they supposed to trick or treat at? I assume it's the entire state. Yeah. I mean, honestly. They could go across the border to Missouri. It is Kansas. I mean. Let's just keep Kansas in Kansas, Brian. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> let's, not, let's not invite them to be on over here. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Kansas. Don't, don't look at the sex offender charts or the you know, the violent offender charts, just get your fucking candy and assume they're sex offenders because <laughs> you're in a state that's just overrun with sex offenders. You've got a museum hey, dedicated towards it. And life, sometimes you got to take chances. That's right. That's right. Get that candy. One. If that yeah. means getting candy from a pedophile, then that means getting candy from a pedophile. Look, you're living in Kansas. You don't have many prospects in the rest of your life you're nine year old small things yeah you got to look forward to the snickers bars when you get them because you're you're looking at you know a good 30 to 40 more years of life if you're a kansan and the life expectancy is about 47 i believe you know and it's going to be ugly ugly years get that fucking candy while you can well that's the last story except for one uh while missouri continues to struggle and uh almost win but not have any offense sure the University of Kansas had another game against uh, Oklahoma State, and uh, the number 14 Cowboys beat Kansas 58-10. to So, um, yeah, I believe Kansas is 0-7 on the year, and that's 0-4 in conference play. So, um, nice work, Jayhawks. Yeah, I will say, not, not to bring us way down, but uh, it's also a tragedy at that game with Oklahoma State and the, their homecoming. I think four people ended up. Ended up dying from that. A couple more in critical condition. So our I, thoughts and prayers are are with all the Cowboys. I was going to steer clear of mentioning that, Brian. But uh, yeah, thoughts and prayers stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to bring the show down, Brian. Great job. <laughs> You're <welcome>. Yeah. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to have a soul on this show, okay? Uh, I yeah, guess. Josh Henson. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, that's Kansas news, guys. Uh, 
So, uh, I, I mean, it's time to talk about the SEC. Honestly, it's a little tough for me because with Missouri just bending over and taking it up the ass, um, I don't really give a shit about the rest of the SEC. Do you, fellas? Not really. Yeah, it makes it – it does does make it more difficult to, to care. To add a give a shit factor. Well, let's just go through the scores real quick, and then we'll see where we go. And you know, maybe people are in misery like us. Uh, we could always talk about Georgia Tech versus Florida State. <laughs> that makes me feel good. <laughs> That's true. Very true. All right, let's go around the horn. Jesus loves football. So, uh, besides the Missouri Vanderbilt game, which we've already talked about way too much, uh, LSU played Western Kentucky in one of those matchups that uh, Paul Feinbaum must love because uh, he shits on our schedule. Um, LSU won 48-20. to 20. Well, Snoozer. to be fair, though, they had the, what, the former Florida quarterback, I think. And so Western Kentucky had a decent offense coming into that game. Yeah, but they got beat by 28 points. So, so I mean, at the end of the day. Because it is still LSU. Right. I mean, it, yeah. Uh, probably the best game in the SEC slate was uh, Alabama versus Tennessee. And Tennessee put up a. Good Ooh. fight, just to ensure to us that uh, they will beat us. Yeah, right. That's all that that game did, right? And uh, Alabama, yeah, still counts as a loss to them, <laughs> but it also counts as a future loss for Missouri fans. Yep. So Alabama snuck out the win, nineteen to fourteen, over the Volunteers, and the Volunteers fall to three and four in the season because Butch Jones is the greatest coach in the history of college football. Yep. Texas A&M played Ole Miss, and uh, that was an interesting one. Uh, Ole Miss beat Texas A&M pretty handily, 23-3. to So A&M is an, it's just an, an enigma. This was the, t- the yeah. game of enigmas, you know. And uh, so they fall to 5-2. and two. Ole Miss is 6-2 and two on the season. And, well, and, and A&M is doing the classic A&M, right? They start off really well. Everybody thinks that they're going to do really well. And you get to about the midpoint of the season, and it turns out that, oh, they're not that great. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I mean, Ole Miss is that team as well, but somebody had to win this one. So, True. Um, it was Ole it's Miss. one of those classic. Uh, another yeah. tight game was Arkansas and Auburn. This one pissed me off because uh, they were right before the Missouri game. And I uh, wanted to see them on the SEC network, and they refused to end their game. Going into quadruple overtime. Arkansas beat Auburn, who falls to four and three on the season, one and three in conference play. Yeah, you know the the one silver lining to Mizzou's fall, I think, has got to be that some of these other teams are having just as bad, if not worse, falls. And Auburn going from what were they ranked at one point, third or something like that, second in the country? They were up there. I, and yeah, just the the fall that they've had. That's that's tough. Yeah, the last game on the docket for the SEC was uh, Mississippi State-Kentucky. This was a tough one to see, too, because uh, we lost to Kentucky, and they lost to Mississippi State 42-16. to And Mississippi State is coming to Mizzou, so uh, shit. So another one of those, hey, look, a future loss for the Tigers. Yeah. That's uh, called... Well, Every every game that yeah, we watch, we got four games left, and we're gonna have four losses. I mean, there's very little chance that we go to a bowl, Colin. Well, but I think it's important that we don't go to a bowl at this point. You know, there was a time, <laughs> you know, as a for those that listen, though, I'm a, a long suffering Chiefs fan, and there was a time when during the end of the Scott Pioli era, where I rooted for losses because I wanted the fact that change happened to be so undeniable. You know what I mean? I feel like Gary Pinkle is so 
stubborn and stands so hard fast on his horseshit that it, we need to have a awful, miserable result to force change. Because I'm not sure Gary will make that change unless, you know, the boosters and, and people who, who fund the program and the AD kind of force it. And so we need there to be some real nasty, nasty football these last four weeks to make sure that Gary does something. Well, Colin, because right now his plan is to stay fast with awful. Colin, the th- difference is between watching the Chiefs lose out and Missouri lose out is we don't get a number one draft pick out of the deal, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so it, it's unlike uh, the yeah. NFL, you go, you just get burned in recruiting instead of getting better players. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the one thing it does do is. Uh, you know, I don't see a lot of those folks on, on Twitter anymore who are the, you know, glasses, rosy glasses, everything's always good, Pollyanna idiots who are just constantly saying, good for you. Good for you. And, uh, and. Don't listen to the haters, guys. True Mizzou fans are always buying you 100%. Good for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and that does send a message, hopefully, at some point. I mean, my take on this season, which has been an interesting sociological study on the mind of a fan base, is that, uh, you know, some people turn early, some people turn late. The media tries to pretend like, you know, that, that, oh, you just have to wait everything out. You can't call for Henson's head. You can't call for Locke. You can't do anything like that until the, about three games after the fans have done it. And then they can start see, deciding right. it. And then it, it seems like about eight games after the media decides it, then the coaches start to respond. That's the, the frustrating thing is that, uh, there's so many changes that could be made that couldn't be worse. I mean, Tyler Hunt, uh, shuffling the offensive line. They made what? They moved like Nate Crawford. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they made one minor tweak at the offensive line, which made virtually no difference. Um, you know, they, there's, there's so many passes to the middle of the field instead of down the sidelines. There's so many things they could try differently. Um, well, the thing was another knock against Josh Henson and, and Gary Pinkle. You mentioned Tyler Hunt. But he only comes in in the backfield on passing play. Yeah. It's like if I can establish that pattern as a, you know, half drunk fan, then the defensive coordinator for the other team can establish that pattern. You're you're telling the you're telling the other team what's about to happen. Absolutely. You, know, you have to hand the ball off to Tyler Hunt at least once so they realize there's a chance that that could happen. But oh. no, he comes in on third down to block every single time and it's like, well, they brought in 35 yeah, drop your linebackers into coverage. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I see that every time I see 35 on the field, I think, well, you know, who, who are we throwing to now? Um, so it, it is predictable. It's shitty. It's, uh, it's abysmal. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure the Pollyannas are still out there, but they're much quieter than they were in week four. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, it's, it's, Amazing what losing will do is like the fan base is bites back and forth. The press has gotten really, you know, bitchy. <laughs> the the mm-hmm. players have obviously got very, very defensive. I mean, it's it's uh, this losing is permeating all levels of Mizzou fandom. It really takes an effect on the psyche of everybody. I mean, you, you saw Drew Locke on the sidelines at you know one point in the game where he was just like, there were two or three guys just trying to in his ear trying to you know get his. You know, emotions. defensive guys. Yeah, defensive, defensive guys. Become very, very uh, critical of the press of late. Yeah, you know what I mean, like people are taking on the press. People are taking on the coaching. Yeah, the, um, and some of the some of the press stuff I think was justified though. Uh, 
you know, we haven't had a starting – our starting quarterback, a starting SEC quarterback, has not played football for over a month now, and nobody seems to want to find out why, you know? Yeah. And when you suggest that to yeah. Mizzou's press corps, they act like it's a stupid question. Yeah, their, 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 their response is, we asked Gary Pinkle. He said he's not telling us. <laughs> End of investigation. <laughs> yeah, and, that's what, and then when you suggest they should dig further – they, they act like you're a dum-dum. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen more people go I, after the press on Twitter I think, about investigating this a little bit further, and they all just kind of roll their eyes. Colin, that's because I think they actually know. Yeah. I think, I think there's the, the core group knows exactly what it is, but they don't want either – it was told in confidence, or they don't want to piss off Pinkle or the rest well, of the they, staff. That's definitely why. I mean, they don't so want. They're just. It's too small a circle not to piss off Gary Pinkle. Yeah, yeah, the beat writers are never going. To, they're complicit. They don't want to do anything wrong, and I, they definitely know. I mean, the, it's the worst kept secret in Colombia. And, and let's just say, allegedly, he was selling drugs. Matty Mark was selling drugs. Like everybody's suspicious that he was. If that was possible, he someone supplied him with these drugs. Someone purchased these drugs. Right. There are more than one individual that's an intrepid journalist in a town full of fucking journalists. More in a, journalists per capita here than in Washington D.C. Could ask some questions. Get 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 two guys to go on the record, and you got a story. Yeah. You know, and no one is doing it. No one. Now, that, that either suggests one of two things. The drug rumors are completely off base, one, or two, no one is doing their job as an, as an investigative reporter. Well, I saw a guy um, suggest on Twitter, and it, like, it was, I think it was at Dave Matter, or was it, maybe it was Gabe Yarman, I don't know, that, you know, basically, a very, they, that, you know, the press corps was very, very compliant with Gary Pinkle. And, sure. Mel, and, and Bill Conley and Gabe Yarman and, and Matter all kind of just tweeted back and forth amongst one another, chuckling at that. And yeah. I was like, I don't, I, you know, and then I saw another person tweet that they're like, they're kind of like, I don't see why that's a far, that's a stretch to make. I mean, nobody seems to be trying to investigate Maddie Mock's suspension. Well, and, and you kind of have to be, right? Like, I, I don't know that it's, it's the greatest criticism in the world when you work in Columbia, Missouri as a sports head of a sports thing or your top sports writer, right? You you have to maintain that connection. So, I, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, like, I guess they can't acknowledge it, but I also sort of understand it, you know, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a something that you just have to completely dismiss because I feel no. like the average person gets that, like, you don't bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. But, well, I understand that, Brian, and I, if, if, I guess I can forgive the, like, the Tribune, because it's here in Columbia, and right. I can forgive the Rock M Nations and the Power Mizzou's of the world because who wouldn't they're a exist small enough with, entity that they right. need Gary Pinkle yeah, exactly. really badly. Exactly. But when you talk about Dave Matter at the Post Dispatch and Blair Kirkhoff at the Kansas City Star, these are two papers in major metropolitan areas that Gary Pinkle needs, and they gotta have the stones to print something that might Gary Pinkle might not like hearing. Right. Well, and not to mention, if somebody gets out there in front of it, it would be a great story. Great story. A huge scoop. Yeah, it would. And it could make somebody's career. Uh, you know, and, and that's what is kind of frustrating in a town full of young journalists. There's a lot of people who don't need Columbia, Missouri. Say they piss off Gary Pinkle no, for life. Let the man eater break the story. I don't care who does it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and, 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 you know, I think Howard Richards mentioned on our midweek show that, 
the longer they don't address it themselves, the longer the speculation goes on, the longer that you give a chance for some journalists to come knock and, and find something out that maybe you wanted to keep under your hat. So I don't know. It's we, we you know, we, we br- this whole thing came up by us saying that, you know, people are starting to go after the media as well as the team. And we just went on about a six minute jag on the media. But, you know, what do you do at this point in the season? Well, I feel like, you know, as fans, we, we, we want more and more information and, and Pinklet, we all know, as you say, platitude machine, churning out garbage. And at some point, I just like the media when they don't get the initial answer they want. Just try one time to ask a follow-up question. Yeah. You know, just, you know, I, I, I know, I, I'm wild I'm on the media, and if I got a press credential, it would be revoked after the first uh, media event I Yeah, you'd, you'd cheer in the press box for sure. Yeah, so. Well, I know that somebody from Power Mizzou, I think, did ask Pinkle if he's handling um, Henson differently at, with all this um, with problems they've been having, and he kind of snapped at him and said, I've been a coach for 25 years. I've handled my offensive line coach the same at, for 25 years. And I'm like, it's not an unreasonable question. That's a very yeah, exactly. reasonable question. Right. So anyway, uh, actually, let, we're, I'll play for you a little bit of Pinkle's press conference here. It's just real quick, but it gives you a taste of the non-answers you get from Gary Pinkle. Well, that's frustrating. We had a shot to win at the end, and – it was just disappointing. That's three in a row for us, and that's not very happen very often. So uh, you know, we've got to regroup, get a bye next week, and uh, you know, a lot of good things can happen. But uh, obviously, we've got to improve. The break's going to be good here if we get everybody away a little bit. Yeah, obviously, you do need to improve, Gary. And I don't doubt that the break comes at a good time because any break would be good for them at this point. They've got two weeks to stew on this bullshit. And uh, my, the thing that's frustrating for me is I have no no faith that we're going to see anything different when they come out in two weeks of yeah. preparation. Yeah. Well, I feel like they almost feel like changes or some, admitting some sort of defeat. Right. It's like, you know, hey, Gary, you know what's defeat? Defeat. Yes. That's what, that's what defeat is. So Ls. losing football games is defeat. Admitting there's a problem and making even minor changes to try to address those problems is not defeat. It's called coaching, and it's well, what we pay you to do. I think one of the... One of the telltale things will be how many people show up to the next home game because the we've got what the Thursday night game I think is the next home game that we have yeah and you know it if well, all that- of a sudden attendance starts to fall off that's where you know Mac Rhodes starts to get more a little, little bit more hey let's let's pay hey, attention Brandon. to this yeah just clear do you have a clip from this uh, press conference where Gary Pinkle asks for more stadium expansion and offices to be built. You know, I don't. He, I don't think he mentioned that specifically in the post-game oh. press conference. It would have been a good time for him, I feel like. Yeah. You know, it, it, just good a time with any. And, yeah, you know, sure. we could raise parking prices and ticket prices in order to make that happen. Well, it, it did make me think that BYU game in Kansas City, there's going to be maybe hundreds of people there, not thousands. I don't know. I think people do that shit just because it's a destination kind of thing. Maybe. Maybe a better turnout than you think. Well, yeah, because you get the Kansas City people who will just, oh, cool, game. They've already bought tickets. Well, I know that it's the kind of thing that I would consider on a normal season. If, if Missouri were uh, in contention for anything, I might go to that. And there's not a chance in well, holy okay. hell that I go to that game. But yet. also, you know, one season, there'll, there'll be a drop-off a little bit maybe in, in terms of, of the attendance. But, you know, you're probably not putting a big dent in your season ticket holders for next year. It's... If this isn't fixed by next year that you start a, a spiral, I don't think Missouri can literally afford to go down, right? I mean, in terms of, of financials, 
that you you can't put together back to back losing seasons or back to back to back you know losing seasons or or non bowl seasons we'll put it that way uh, without there being some pretty serious financial consequences. Well, I'm, I think my hope is is that maybe Gary and Mike Alden were obviously very close, and that uh, though Gary is, I don't think Shaw's in any kind of jeopardy. That maybe Mac Rose is quite as chummy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, Gary, something you know. Listen, you've been here a long time. You've done great things in the program, but this is a results business. So um, yeah. we, you, you get this season to you know shit down both legs, but uh, it better change yeah. next year. Well, and who would you get? You know, I think we asked Wall Jasper this last year. Maybe after right. that. if not him, then who? Yeah, right. and and you know he pointed out, and I mean he's right. Is is I don't know that Missouri would attract any kind of coach with a you know that could do well. well a bigger name. I don't want him to feel like his job is just impeachable. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Like, just, True. So how do you balance that though? Right. That that's difficult. That's that's the thing. I mean, it, it, you you fall very easily into the trap of you know last year we won our second straight SEC East championship and we're ready to build a bronze statue of him and then a year later we're not any good and people are calling for his head. I mean that's just you know, ridiculous. You can't run an athletic to pro. Yeah, exactly. I mean you can't run a program that way. But I think you can pressure him to say, look, you know you're our guy. You've proven yourself time and time again. However. This was been. This is not how I want to start my tenure as athletic director. The basketball team is bad. I can't have my football team look like this as well. I need you to do something to show me that you're going to make significant changes, or else I have to consider significant changes. Yeah. So, what are you going to do there? And that's when the uh, assistants' heads start falling. Well, and Pinkle hates change. I mean, I, I've heard he from multiple people that that talk that know him and and. The idea of any change, he's like, well, why would I change that? You know, I, I don't understand. And, and so that's, yeah, I mean. Well, that's, that's what I mean. I think with Alden, he, he didn't have to change. You know, Alden hired him. Nobody was a bigger fan than Alden. And yeah. Mac Rose may go, well, Gary, I know you don't like change, but you need to make change. You know what I mean? Whereas Alden might have been like, Gary's Gary. I think let him do what he does. I think Alden pushed him a little bit, but but again, that's that that's what we're talking about here, right? We're not talking like Pinkle, you're going to lose your job. It's Pinkle, do something that you maybe are uncomfortable doing because you're you're getting pushed that way. Well, well, our are getting pushed up inside of us every week, guys. I think it's right. time we we did it. It's time we named our Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Now it's time All for right. Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. So um, I think this one was pretty obvious. I'm going to name a candidate, and I'm, I'm going to ask that you guys do the same. Corey Fatoni. You're here. I think I started this at the beginning of the season, saying our punter was our far player of the game, and uh, I don't know why we could go away with it, you know, from him at this point. Nine long punts, as well as I think what a 26 yard run. One of yeah, our, yeah, like our biggest play longest rush so long. of the of the day. Right, and friend of the show, Corey Fatoni, once again, player of the game. So Brian wanted to remind me that we haven't really looked at the SEC games that are upcoming, but I, you know, as I mentioned, I don't really give a shit. I think there's only one game that matters, and I think we all know what it is. It's Arkansas versus Tennessee Martin, and uh, <laughs> and uh, no, actually, the SEC East will be decided next week. Florida yes. will play Georgia. That is the big game um, that we would care about if we had a football team who actively played offensive football. Sure. And uh, so Florida or Georgia, guys, who do you think? I'm going to take Georgia in that one. I think that Florida is is a little overhyped, but um, I think the Bulldogs 
can can pull out a victory. It is at Georgia. I'm going to say Florida. I don't. I think the uh, Bulldogs lost their best offensive player. Uh, I don't True. trust Coach Rick not to uh, lose the game. I uh, to this point, uh, Jim McElwain seems to be uh, a coaching dynamo. He's got his kids buying in, and they're playing hard. And he doesn't. They, you know, since he's taken over, Florida doesn't beat itself, and uh, Georgia will. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to say Florida. Well, you know. Georgia has its best player out. Uh, Florida has its starting quarterback out. It's interesting. You know, these are two guys who lost key pieces to their puzzle. But I'm leaning towards Collins' direction and saying uh, Florida on this one just for the exact same reasons. This is the exact type of game that Mark Rick and Georgia loses True. every year. That I uh, can't really argue that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I uh, I don't have any interest in talking about any of the rest of the SEC yeah. this week. We will do a show during the bye week because uh, why not? Yeah, we got nothing else to do. Uh-huh. But also before we go, you know, I've been each week now. I've been giving some Twitter shoutouts. People tweet at the Mazadcast, and uh, I've got two for tonight. The first one comes from at SEC Blog. Alex tweets that parental advisory, the Mazadcast, will include explicit lyrics, which was I feel like accurate uh, after watching that show. And- Speak of the devil, we got a call right oh, now. Okay. Oh, looks like we got another one. Hold on, you're on the Mazadcast. Who's with us? This is Todd. Tiger Todd Vaughn. Hey, how's it going, Todd? Well, Very good, guys. How you doing? Good. What do you want to say about the uh, the old Tigers today? Uh, just uh, I don't know. I don't even know who to blame anymore. It's uh, it's it's not like Josh Henson's never had a good offense before. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just such a train wreck. It's it's like a, I can't even describe how bad it is. So. What, what has everybody else been saying? Well, uh, we've just basically been cussing loudly, and and uh, right. um, well, I, I was going to ask you if if you were allowed to punch one uh, tiger or tiger coach in the nuts after the Vanderbilt game, who would who would it be? Well, the list would be long but distinguished. Yeah, but <laughs> I think I would have to go with White Featherstone. That being Wesley Lovelace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he got the uh, necessary roughness uh, reference, I hope. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, but thanks for spelling it out for us, uh, for, for, for Brian, you know. Um, A little slower. Over <laughs> yeah, he was, he was extra frustrating because he did gain a step or two on the D-backs, and then yeah. just there's no chance he's going to catch the ball. Right. Yeah, so. it was every time. They, they, he could throw it to him every time, and they, you knew that they, it was going to go right through his hand. Well, Todd. You know, and one other thing, on that big drop by um, Emmanuel Hall, yeah. why in the hell did he get up uh, celebrating? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't even know goddamn well he didn't catch that ball. <laughs> I think that was an acting job, yeah. Uh, he, he knew. He knew. There's not 70 cameras every game now, so he obviously was going to get away with that. Yeah. We're predicting a, a steady audience of 13 to 14 people after this game. What do you think we could talk about or say that could drive in the fan base to actually listen to a Mazodcast after a shitty, shitty game like this? Well, you have to go with uh, the team MVP, I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Tony and studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, True. Make him a permanent guest. Uh-huh. Maybe a permanent analyst. Just have him come on in. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's not a bad idea. Sure. Well, I, we were there first. You know, we got that interview before his big show in front of his hometown crowd. Absolutely. I, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that one. That was, that was great. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, good guy. Hey, fun. we didn't hear our Josh Henson interview. Yeah, we got done. We did interview Josh Henson earlier on the show tonight, so I hope you enjoy that. Oh, you did? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was good of him to come on. You know, had time to uh, take out the uh, take out the schedule of designing two yard out patterns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's got those already right drawn up. up. Yep. He he just copies and pastes, and he's done for the night. And you've got plenty of time for yeah. interviews. Uh, impressive. Yeah. So he, he had a lot on his plate. <laughs> yeah, Mangino style. Well, thanks for calling in, Todd. I appreciate it. We're gonna we're about to wrap the show up here after a big Josh Henson interview and uh, another Corey Fatoni Kirk Farmer's Hair Award. There's not much left to do. True. All right. Well, well th- thanks for thanks for letting us all that. Yeah, um, hopefully the next time, well, let's forget about it. I'm, I'm, there's no hoping. We're going to lose four straight. It's the end of the season. Hey, we won't lose yeah, next week. I know. If we make a bowl, it'll be a miracle. Yeah. Let's hope for the miracle. All right. Thanks again, Todd. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, there you go. Well, and speaking of for Tony, so he, you know, the other shout out that I got to give on Twitter this week is, uh, to Corey for Tony. He tweeted at, at Corey Fat. Tony, in case you were wondering, hashtag Fox Tony, uh, Fo Tony, Fo Tony. Yeah, I don't, I don't, didn't quite follow that. You know, he did the show, and so I don't <laughs> understand why he would tweet that at us. He's trying to throw people off his trail, I think. Ah, uh, that may, yeah, because coaching. Yeah, staff, I don't think the coaching staff had authorized that interview. Good call. That that yeah. that makes more sense. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't call him out on air. Like, right. hey, Corey, you're the one who agreed to be on the show. Right. Don't, don't try backpedaling now. Yeah. No, I think it's smart of him. He's got to save it. He doesn't want to get in trouble with the coaches. Yeah, w- wink, wink. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it really Corey Fatone? We hear you. We yeah. hear you. <laughs> but got to give him a shout out. You know, make sure you tweet at us after your show, after the, the game, although next week's a bye week. So I guess just as you're frustrated and watching what you think is a putrid Missouri offense in a bye week, it's about. Equal, right? Well, I mean, you know, I talked same to Corey. Same amount of touchdowns, probably. Yeah. I, I talked to Corey um, after the interview was over off air, and he agreed to do an, a, sort of an advice column for us. Oh, uh, great. This midweek. Uh, if So if you guys have, uh, you know, relationship problems, issues at work or at school, things you just need to work out, call in or tweet us at Mazodcast. Uh, send your questions to Corey. He'll answer them for you on the next show. He did seem very capable in terms of you know relationship advice. I think yes, he if that he, would be that he would knows be one his that way would... around relationships. I yeah. think that's clear. Yeah. So, all right, Colin, you ready to wrap this sucker up? Please. <laughs> all right. Well, let's do it. This has been a lot of fun, as much as we could possibly have uh, after this horrible, horrible game. So, anyway, M I Z. See you. Go Tigers. Born to lose, I've lived my life in vain. Every dream has only brought me pain. The football is brown! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.